Three-man rush. Mangum, all kinds of time. Steps into the throw, in the wind, down to the goal line, and caught! Touchdown, BYU! Mitch Matthews on the last play of the game! This is the High Motor Podcast, Andrew Doughty, Chase Kitty, first episode of the month of May on the High Motor Podcast. And we're going to talk college football jealousy here in a little bit. Also, after Greg Sankey's SEC commissioner's comments on conferences potentially making unilateral decisions on plane. Uh, going off of that, we're going to ask what truly makes a college football season for you. You know, at what point is there some sort of line what teams and or conferences need to be playing to make the season legit for you, make that national championship count for a full college football season? First, Chase. I'm surprised this hasn't been circulated more. This was from Friday, published on Friday, May 1st, from the Wichita Eagle on Kansas.com. The article here, if you'd you'd like to pull it up now or after the show, Kansas State AD Gene Taylor outlined seven contingency plans for the football season. As far as I know, I was asking you before the show, I don't think that another AD, another president, head coach, any sort of stakeholder has very clearly laid out the specific options. We've heard rumblings for a long time. What if we push the season back to October 1st? What if we play in the spring? What if we start March 1st, January 1st? All that. We've seen those options out there, reports. And I don't think we've seen this yet, where an AD has very clearly laid out which of these uh, the options. He said that the Big 12 is currently discussing seven, seven primary options. And I wanted to bring this up to you by asking which of these options do you hate, do you like, are you willing to accept the most? But you made an interesting point. You asked a, a better question before this show. Very quickly, I'm going to run through these options um, if you don't have the article pulled up. Number one, starting the season as scheduled early September, so no change there. Number two, starting the season late September, ending games in December. Number three, starting the season in October, playing a conference-only schedule. Number four, starting in September, playing a conference only schedule waiting until 2021 starting the season in January 2021 starting the season in March and number seven splitting up the season with six games in the fall six games in the spring I still want to ask you which of these are you willing to accept if you're willing to just accept anything right now but you had a better question ask that question again for this well just like what's what's the value of this and what's the strategy of this like why do you do this What's what's the game plan? And you're saying, why do you do this? Why are you even releasing this very, not even saying, yeah, I think we have six or seven options. One of them is this, one of them is this. But he's very clearly laying out what the seven exact options are. So by saying, what do you? why are you doing this? That's what you mean. Yeah, and, and I don't have an issue that he did. I just think it contrasts pretty starkly with every other AD in America right now who's going, well, you know, we're monitoring a lot of options and we're... You know, we're we're considering a lot of a lot of potential. You know, we're we're on top of this. But like this this guy, Gene Taylor, comes out and says, "Here's what we might do: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Boom, boom, boom. These are the things we're considering." And I, along, I'm guessing I'll speak for you too. Like I always like more information. I like when people are transparent and say things that they might not otherwise, even if it might get them into trouble. Uh, I just want to know what his strategy is. I want to know what his thinking is. Do you think the Big 12 was down with him 
why wouldn't the Big 12 just come out and say these are options? Why wouldn't Bob Bowlesby even do like some sort of press conference or a press release and say these are our seven options? No other, like I said, I don't think any other FBS AD or FBS president, no of the 129 other programs and universities have said this, and obviously that means that the nine other Big 12 programs haven't said this either. So there's there's clearly no sort of coordination here. I mean, did he just go rogue and, and talk to this reporter? Again, WichitaEagleAndKansas.com. And just say these are the seven options. Do you think they coordinated this at all? I don't. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah, I'm not willing to say that at all. I'm, I'm not willing to say it's it's uncoordinated. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, I think modern PR strategy in general. I don't want to get too inside baseball, but modern PR strategy is like we're going to give you as little information as possible because the more details we give out to the world and the press and Twitter and everything, the more shit we're going to take. The more it's going to be cut up and examined from a million different perspectives and everybody's going to tell us how dumb we are, regardless of not uh, of whether it's a dumb idea or not, right? right? Like Whether it's actually a good or bad idea doesn't matter. You're just going to get told everything is stupid. So I think that's number one, is this could be like a well-coordinated, understood idea behind the scenes from a lot of ADs, but ADs aren't willing to come out and say, we want to do this, we want to do this, we're thinking about this, because then it's follow-up, 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 right? That's number one. The other idea that I have is, what if this is like an intentional leak? We don't want to come out as the Big 12 or the SEC or the NCAA and say this is our plan because now we have a formal idea that we've thrown out there. We're on the record. But if we let this, like Kansas State is not some big time athletic department. They're a power five program, but they're not like, you know, UCLA or Stanford or something. So we're going to let this one AD at sort of a medium sized school put this information out there. We're going to see how it gets reacted to. And we're going to go from there. It sort of gives bigger institutions plausible deniability. Those are my two thoughts, sort of, sort of like right off the cuff. And again, there are seven options here. I'm not going to read through them again. But it's not like he came out and laid out three options. And then we're all sitting here, whoa. I mean, let's say, for example, he said we're going to start the season on time in September. We're going to, I'll pick three, start the season in October, play a conference-only schedule, or we're going to wait until 2021, start the season in January. If he came out and just said those three options, we'd be saying, whoa. Like, that's it? That Those are your only options? Why are we not talking about, you know, starting the season late September, ending games in December? Why are we not talking about starting in October and trying to uh, play a full schedule? So in laying out, there isn't the only other option on here that I've heard that is not laid out in this in these seven proposals is the one I just said, starting the season in October and trying to play all 12 games. He has number three, starting the season in October, playing a conference-only schedule. But the point being he really checked all the boxes here with the exception of that one. And we can even debate if that's even that big of a difference there between starting the season in October, playing a conference only schedule and starting the season in October, playing all 12 games. So he, he kind of hit everything here. So they're covering all their bases. Do you figure if they release all that information, there's, there's really no other direction because even though this is big and I like what he did, it's almost like, duh, you're either going to play or you're not going to play. And if you're going to play, you're going to take one of these options. So maybe they just figure, why not? Let's just throw it out there because the worst case scenario is we just don't play and we had all these seven options laid out for everybody to see. Yeah, it's an interesting idea that you're saying is that, hey, it, this is the appearance of saying something, 
This is the mirage of look at all these options we've come up with. When in reality, you're just saying every possibility. Well, yeah, right? It's like it's like an NFL draft before the before the draft. The team's like, yeah, we're either going to take a quarterback or a running back or a receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, cornerback, safety, or linebacker. We're probably not. <laughs> we're probably not going to take a long snapper or a punter, but we're definitely going to take one of those seven positions. Yeah, that, that's a good analogy. Yeah. But but again, like I don't want to sound like I'm I'm being critical. I like the transparency. I like I like at this point, I enjoy even like the facsimile of insight, even if this isn't that insightful. High motor bingo today, facsimile. I'm not gonna ask you which of these you think are the most realistic or even the ones you want the most. Let me ask you this though. If you had to say you you, you take Let's say um, waiting until 2021 and starting the season in March, because I would imagine that's the least popular proposal out of all of these. I mean, we're sitting here talking, what, mid, no, first week of May. That's right. First week of May. So we're going to say we're not going to play college football now for 10 months. 10 months the season will start. Would you take that or roll the dice on some of these other options? If I say right now you can lock in a March 1st start date for the college football season, would you take that or would you roll the dice with every single everything everything else on the table, including not having a college football season? I think I would roll the dice. I mean, I, I've, Me too. Me too. I think yeah. I've, I've said on this podcast already, like I'm pretty comfortable taking my ego out of it at this point and just taking what I can get and taking whatever the powers that be put together but if you're talking about starting a four-month season on March 1st, we're finishing in we're like finishing in the middle of the next season's camp. No way is 2021 <laughs> starting the first week of September, and then we're yeah. talking about pushing that season back until the first week of October. And, and so it's a it, you're now affecting multiple seasons, and that's without even the obvious nod to the idea that. You're also messing up the other sports at that school. And I know a couple weeks ago, you and I talked about football pays the bills for everybody else. So to a certain extent, if this is what football needs to do, like that's what's going to happen because we have to pay the bills with football. I understand that. But selfishly, I'm a spring sports guy. I love basketball. I love softball. I love lacrosse. So I don't. I want to get football, but if it's possible, I don't want it to interfere with those other things that I also enjoy. I just don't see it happening at all. And even in this article, I mean, Taylor says, this is just me talking, but playing a full season starting in January and playing through March is a crazy plan. There are some parts of the country that I'm not sure I want to go to in January or February. I've heard some other people say that there's just no way that's realistic. Um, Anyways, and I asked this question to you, I think a week or two ago, if you had to take a college football fan base that you're jealous of, not jealous in the moment, not jealous when a team is winning the national championship. You are jealous of that entire fan base, their entire existence. And when you say you wouldn't mind being a fan of them, you are a fan of them for all eternity, for everything. What is a college football fan base that you're jealous of? Uh, right. I put a lot of thought into this. Uh, so for people that don't like listen to us all the time, I just want to like be transparent about my interests. Like, I'm a, an alumnus of James Madison University in Virginia. I grew up in West Virginia and have been a lifelong Mountaineers fan, right? So that's kind of right in my resume. Uh, I thought about it like this. When you're jealous of people in real life, you're not jealous of like Bill Gates, right? You're not jealous of 
Steve Jobs, like the ultra rich guy. I, I at least I don't think that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody does. That's not no, how I, agree. I think. I agree. I think you have a good point. You're jealous of the guy on your block that has the biggest house, right? <laughs> he's not the richest person in the world, but he's the richest person in front of you. So that's how I tried to approach this. And I came up with three names and I, I think each of them are a little different. And there's one that is the best fit for your question. So I'll start there. I think it's Wisconsin. They're not Alabama. They're not Clemson, right? They're not like unrealistically attainable. Like the teams I like are probably never going to be that. But it could be Wisconsin, which is a really strong program. They contend for uh, conference championships just about every year. They contend maybe to be in that national top four picture every few years. You know what you're getting there. You know that every five years, you're going to be a player or two away from the playoff. And every two or three years, you're going to be a player or two away from either competing for or in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, and, and like Madison's awesome. That's a great scene. I And look, I'll put Morgantown against up against almost anything. Like It's a good time. But Madison's a fun time too. So it's not just like the on-field product. Like that's a fun environment. Uh, so I think Wisconsin's a really strong answer. And then I, I kind of go to some weirder places, but I, I think they're defensible. The second one is Texas A&M. <laughs> now, Texas A&M because is Because you, you love failing to meet expectations and flopping all the time. Right, like we should on making Texas fun of A&M you and be the podcast a lot. every joke. That's why you want to be Texas A&M? I'm jealous of but that that is actually kind of it because if the 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 photo negative of what we make fun of them for is like dude they get the benefit of the doubt all the time. They they felt like the little brother in the Big 12 and were like sad that they weren't, you know, they they wanted more money, sure, and I get all that, but they they had little brother syndrome, so they just went to the SEC. Like they pulled that off. Mm-hmm. They did that. And I get that the SEC is getting stuff out of it too, and Texas footprint, and they're farther west, and all that. I like, I'm not naive to all that, but they just randomly were like, "Okay, we'll go to like year in year out the best football conference in America and just be there." How about that? Like, they just pulled that off. That uh, they're consistently given the benefit of the doubt in polls. They're consistently talked about in programs when they uh, in like TV shows and podcasts. But there's like no ours. productivity. When, I mean, how does how does productivity factor into your equation? Yeah, that's that would be cool to get the benefit of the doubt with everything, but ultimately, you always fail to deliver. You're always overhyped, and that's why Wisconsin's a better why you, answer. Why do you want to? But yeah, I, I I get Wisconsin, even yeah. as a Minnesota guy, and some of the the problems that I have with. I'll be very careful here. Some of the problems that I have with with the Madison arrogance and Madison people know know that exists, and I get it. Madison's great. Madison is a fantastic college town. It's clean. It's fun. It's a damn good time. But there's a little bit of arrogance there. I get that absolutely. I don't understand at all where you're coming with on Texas A&M. It'd be like saying you're jealous of Michigan football fans. How I just is that any I different? wish I wish my guys got the benefit of the doubt like that. It's kind of okay. like I okay. wish. Boy, you know what would be cool if I like got a bunch of money in an inheritance that I didn't deserve at all? That'd be awesome. Like, it, it, There's no logic to it. You, you're not saying that if you could be anybody, you would want to be trust fund kid. So you want a piece of what Texas A&M has. Right. There's an element there that I'm a little jealous of. It's not the whole thing. It's that one element. 
And, and speaking in that one element thing, I think the last thing on my list of three here, and th- this one is also kind of weird, but I, I think it that element is there, is App State. Like, and this is definitely sort of coming from my my JMU FCS school side, but like, awesome FCS program, one of the most iconic upsets ever. They make the jump to FBS, and within you know five years, they're just like awesome. They're just a top twenty five program. They just win in conference championship. Like, that's awesome. Good for them. I'm I'm actually happy for them. This almost isn't even a jealousy thing. Like, it's really cool watching a bunch of FCS programs that make the jump and then just suck and are wildly irrelevant. Looking at you, ODU, like. App State didn't do that, and they're like a fringe top 25 program every year. They've been in the top 25. So yeah, that I think that's really cool, and there's an element of that that I'm really jealous of, even if it, I, I'm, I wouldn't ever sit here and be like, well, you know who I want to be a fan of forever? App State. Like I wouldn't say that, but there are elements there that are, that are cool. Who, who are so you it. jealous of? Well, I'm just going to say quickly, if we picked up any ODU fans last week after the, the Ricky Ronnie appearance, we <laughs> might have just lost them with that segment there. I don't think ODU uh, people So are... it was a pleasure to have you for one and a half episodes. <laughs> I don't think ODU people are ignorant of the of what has happened, which is they they got they they struck iron really early. They had Taylor Heineke that you know, it started out great and then they jumped just way too quickly and they hadn't built a machine yet they just had one nice recruiting class and now that they're in a tough spot and, and that's not even getting into the economic stuff that we discussed a few weeks ago so it's just you know it's a tough spot for them and part of me does feel bad for them but there that's a cautionary tale along with a lot of other schools on why you don't make the jump that quickly even if you are in a great recruiting area app state is sort of the exception to the rule like they made the jump and were successful at a pretty high level in FBS almost immediately. Is there a program? I mean, yeah, there, I'm sure there is. But in terms of programs with a a wide approval rating, I'm not even saying just like a high approval rating, just a widespread favorable image than App State. I mean, App State, yeah, everybody holds like Alabama and Clemson in high regard, but a lot of people hate Alabama and Clemson and Nick Saban and Dabble Sweeney, whether or not that's justified. But is there, how many more programs are there like App State where they have a favorable image amongst most college football fans? And even though we're, th- what, 13 years removed from that Michigan game, everybody still associates App State with Michigan. I mean, there's, I mean, we, we have talked about it several weeks ago. I can't even remember how, I think like Mark Few, like, does anybody actually hate Mark Few or Tony Bennett? I feel like App State is kind of like that, even though they're not competing at the national level. I mean, to be a Sunbelt program, who who hates App State? Yeah, they're not good enough right. to, in that to garner that spot. kind of hate. And they have the the sort of like little guy uh, bump that you get from beating a program like Michigan, even though right. it's, it wasn't even in this decade. Like people still remember that. Right, I, Michigan I loses to like App State VCU now. Basketball. Yeah, it would be a big deal, but it would not be on that same level. App State just seems to have like this little bit of a cool factor that doesn't exist really in college football. Yeah, there are programs that are revered and certain things like Oregon uniforms, but App State seems to have a lot going for it in terms of this cool factor. Now they've, they've sent back-to-back coaches to Power 5 programs, so it's now considered this coaching factory, even though it's been only two. Their their uniforms seem cool. Boone just seems cool. The stadium, the atmosphere just seems cool. 
it's weird how a Sunbelt program can do that. I love it. I love it. Are you ever jealous of Oregon fans? Um, I think the Nike connection is very easy to be jealous of. They, I mean, they, they had a really nice program there for a few years. I actually sort of looked at Oregon as, so in the mid 2000s, West Virginia has that run with Rich Rodriguez and Pat White and everything. And as they're sort of receding a little bit back toward the pack, it felt like Oregon was the next program like that, where mm-hmm. they're good some years they're really good. They're not a blue blood. They never won a national championship uh, in, in this most recent run, but they were really good, and they were kind of doing some, some of the similar things that West Virginia was doing. So I kind of, yeah. I kind of think I would be like jealous that. of their fan base. Yeah, that you had a you had a really nice, and I get that those last couple years under Halfridge were kind of tough, but you've had a really nice, really fun run yeah, over the last decade. Fun. Like I, I get, like you said, you you haven't gotten that elusive national championship. You haven't even been back to the playoff in a while. But you've just had a lot of fun teams, a lot of speed on those teams that makes those teams fun to watch. I mean, I think that there's a very real chance of dominating the Pac-12 for the next decade as that conference is currently sits right now. Yeah, somebody could come into USC or, I mean, I know Arizona State's recruiting California unbelievably. Maybe they can get bumped up. But as that conference sits right now, I think Oregon has a really good chance to dominate for the next five to ten years. Yeah, I would say I'd be jealous of Oregon. And they, and they went to the playoffs. Like not a lot right. of not a lot of teams right. can say that. One more for you here. How about UAB? Because I'm not sure there's another fan base that appreciates their football more than UAB. And I'm not saying there aren't other fans that appreciate their programs because yeah, when Clemson won the national championship and they continue to dominate, I'm sure their fans appreciate that like hell. But I don't know if there's another fan base that just appreciates their program more than UAB because of that wild situation of disbanding and coming back in the way that they did. Do you see that angle of it? Absolutely. It's a great call by you. The, the fan base that knows what they have and and can really appreciate, not even like the wins and losses, but just like the existence of a team being able to show up on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, we talk about like when Duke finally made a bowl game or when whenever Kansas gets over the hump, whether that's next year or 10 years from now and goes six and a six. I feel like UAB appreciates every season like that fan base, like a Duke or a Kansas would appreciate a six and six season. If UAB goes seven and five next year, I haven't really looked at their outlook for 2020, but if they go seven and five next year, that will be a step back from the last couple of years. But it just feels like UAB fans would really enjoy and really appreciate that season. And I, I'm definitely jealous of that attitude because I think that we don't fully appreciate college football for what it is. We're way too focused. I mean, there's playoff rankings every single week. We're way too focused on the big picture that I think we're often overlooking what makes college football so unique. And even though I remember I went to the, you don't remember this game. It was Jim Harbaugh's first year. It was the week after Michigan lost to Michigan State on the whole punt fumble debacle. They played at Minnesota the following week. And I was there as a Gophers fan, and the Gophers lost that game in the the final minute. But that was just a fun game. How often do we leave a game in which your team wanted, you wanted your team to win, or you're watching a game, and you say, yeah, that sucks, but good God, was that a fun game. It feels like UAB fans kind of have that feeling every single game and every single week where we they're just appreciating the fact that they have a college football team now after that scare of two years when they didn't. Yeah, uh, I can only think of like one or two games. The, the game that really comes to mind for me is when West Virginia played Virginia Tech a couple years ago in uh, in FedEx 
stadium where the where the Redskins play. West Virginia loses that game. They probably they could have won that game. They maybe even should have won that game. I hate losing to Tech. I do not like Virginia Tech. It's well established. So we're really we're just crossing off all the other Virginia schools uh, during this podcast. Just get all the other fans of all Virginia schools out of here, evidently. Uh, but I hate losing to Tech. Tech wins that game. But I walked out of the stadium that night feeling like, man, I'm just happy this game got played because it was almost 15 years between games. And I'm just happy to have that like that friction back in my life, even if it didn't go my way that time. And I'll feel the same way when, when West Virginia finally gets the backyard brawl here soon. Like, I'm just happy that game gets played, even if we don't win. So I know what you're talking about there. and that's Yeah, I was thinking of that because the, the last week, we're sitting here talking on Sunday, and um, the next two episodes of The Last Dance are going to air tonight. But the ones from last week when, when Michael finally beat Magic and they were interviewing uh, Magic, they had gone and hugged in the um, in the hallway after the game and Michael was crying. But they had interviewed Magic, and he's he was basically smiling like, yeah, this sucks, but I am so happy. That was a hell of a series, a hell of a game. I am so happy for Michael. And I'm I get that. In the moment now, what was that, 25, 30 years ago, we can say, oh, good for him. But that probably pissed off a lot of Lakers fans at the time because it's so much more about winning. But I think it's really, really cool when we just watch a great game. That's why I've started to hate fantasy football because I just want to sit there and watch the football game. I don't play college fantasy. I don't do DraftKings. I don't do any sort of betting on college football because I want to just sit there and watch a college football game and then leave after that game and say, damn. That was fun. I do not give a shit who won. I don't care who scored the final the final touchdown. I don't care what the spread was. I don't think we do that enough, do we? No, I uh, totally agree. Uh, on the record, many years now, like we overvalue championships. We don't mm-hmm. know how to enjoy a, just a solid winning season because it's it's just not enough to be eight and four anymore. And yeah. like you know, there's only one team that gets to win the national championship every year, well, especially in college football. You know, I so. mean, how many teams? Have no yeah, unless chance you're one of those fans, unless you're a fan of one of those teams, like you're probably never going to get there. Never. I mean, it's not like a matter of could this team come up from three and thirteen to win the Super Bowl. Probably not, but we don't know. There are so many teams, dozens and dozens of teams. I don't know, eighty or ninety teams in college football that just can't do it. Therefore, why are why aren't we just enjoying enjoying the game? Anyways, let's move on. Um, in the open, I mentioned this. Greg Sankey, uh, SEC commissioner, said that. He could see a scenario in which we have football, but without certain teams or maybe certain conferences, if those schools aren't open, if they don't want to play, whatever. And he said that if there are a couple programs that aren't able to play, does that stop everyone? I'm not sure it does. The question here is, at what point does the college football season not become a college football season? I mean, what makes a season? If the Sun Belt weren't to play, if... Cal or UCLA or Colorado State or whoever, if some grouping here, if some grouping of state schools don't play, like say, I don't see this happening at all, but let's say that all the Texas schools won't play football this year because the state won't open up the schools and they won't play. We can both agree it's not a real season if only like the SEC and ACC play, but if you were to take out all those Texas schools and everybody else plays, at what point is it a real season? Can we somehow quantify this? Can we somehow put a line down and say, you know what? No, this is not what college football is, even though, like we just said, what, 80 to 90 teams every single season just have absolutely no chance at the playoff. But if you wipe out some of those teams, wipe out some of those games, play an eight-game season, 
at what point is college football not college football? Is there any way for us to to put a number or a line down on this? Um, it's a tough question because a lot of it is so experiential. I mean, I think the average fan probably just cares about like his stuff. Like if you're an Arkansas fan, first of all, sorry. Second of all, you probably don't care about much beyond like the SEC season and then having Pine Bluff there to beat the shit out of on like September 8th. Right, like that's what you need to make yourself happy, and you're yes, probably. But if it was just the SEC playing and Pine Bluff coming in, that wouldn't. There at some, I get what you're saying. Like you care about your team, but caring about your team is part of the bigger equation. You care about your team because they get a 30 second shout out on College Football Live when they normally wouldn't have, because College Football Live covers every single team. So at some point, the bigger picture around you has to impact that. But where's that line? I don't. I don't know that I agree with you though, because I really do think there there is a pretty significant section of people who would identify themselves as college football fans, but they're really just fans of their team. They do okay, give not me, give care. me an example. Give me an example. Are we talking? Let's say let's keep with Arkansas. Are we saying if the SEC was the only conference to play? Let's take this to the extreme. Yeah. And Arkansas had one FCS it team just means on more. the schedule. Do they? You're saying Arkansas? Not. We're not going to put all Arkansas fans in this bucket. But you think that they're a a good chunk of them wouldn't care that much? Ten percent. Fifteen percent. Do, I don't see that. Do they have games to go to on Saturdays, tailgates to line up for, and a team to root against? Are they going to get their chance to beat Alabama and beat Lane Kiffin's new Ole Miss team in their first year and maybe get a chance at an imaginary bowl that doesn't exist because there's no other conferences? They can't right? beat San Jose State, but yeah, we're going to beat Lane Kiffin in Alabama too. Exactly, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I do think those people are out there. I don't think they should be considered college football fans because they're not. They okay. they care about okay. their thing. Uh, I think for me and for you and for people that think like us or, or maybe even just closer to us than that other guy, I think you need at least enough that it feels like college football. Like you have your eye on your teams and the teams that you're invested in and your conferences. Like I watched the Big 12 and I watched the ACC. I watch everybody, but I especially watch those conferences a lot. I would want those conferences. I would want to have the full year. I would want to have the SEC drama and I want to have some BS Akron versus Ball State Tuesday night game in late October that I can like get a little too drunk and bet more money than I should watching. Like that's that's what a college football season is for me. Uh, <laughs> and- I, I, it seems like maybe from from Sankey's comments where he said um, again, what did he say? Where is it? If there are a couple programs that aren't able to play, does that stop everyone? I'm not sure it does. So if there are a couple programs from the SEC, let's just wipe off uh, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Arkansas. Let's say the other 11 teams play, and that is consistent across the country. Like from the Mountain West, let's say Colorado State and Utah State and San Jose State don't play. From the Big Ten, it's Rutgers and Indiana don't play. From the Big 12, maybe Kansas and Iowa State don't play. So it's like between 10 and 30% of your conference doesn't play. Because that's kind of what it seems like he's painting this picture of here. 
If that happened, I don't think that would matter that much. And I don't even think it matters who those teams are. Yeah, sure, it'd be a big deal for the playoff picture if Alabama didn't play. But let's be honest here. If people are playing college football, Alabama is playing college football. But if you were to just take off 10 or 20 or 30% of those lower to middle tier teams, I don't think that matters at all. I think it would suck for scheduling and it would suck to just have less football on TV. And it would suck to be a fan of one of those teams. Well, of course it would. Yeah, that would suck, but that doesn't But the product would survive. But the college football, specifically, let's talk playoff here. The college football playoff would not have a lower value. Like if you won the national championship game, we wouldn't look back at this season and put an asterisk and say Clemson didn't really win because Indiana wasn't playing or Clemson didn't win because Colorado state wasn't playing or because instead of having 130 teams, we only had 98 or 102 or 75 or whatever. I think once you start lobbing off those top teams in terms of eliminating a full conference, I don't, I don't see how that, would possibly happen. There doesn't seem to be any sort of like precedent on decisions or jurisdictions or however you want to put it to where a full conference would have power to do that. It seems that's why I mentioned that the Texas thing, it seems more of like a state by state thing. Are we going to open up these campuses? Are we going to put student athletes back on campus? Are they going to play? It seems like it's more likely we're going to wipe out Iowa and Iowa state and their FCS programs than just taking out an entire conference or plucking a team like Iowa plays, but Iowa state doesn't play. That seems unlikely. It seems like more of a state by state issue. So if you were to wipe out conferences, that's where I think it gets interesting. If you wipe out the Sun Belt with all due respect, nobody's going to care. People just aren't going to care about that in the big picture of college football. Sunbelt fans care about Sunbelt football, and a very small percentage of diehard college football fans care about Sunbelt football. Sunbelt. But if but if you start wiping out, like, where, where, where is that line? Like, if you take out the Mountain West, yeah, I think, I think that's a big deal. Even though I'm not sure how much impact they're going to have. They'll have strength of schedule impact on college football playoff resumes and all that. But if and you somebody's wipe out the... wiping out some Pac-12 team early on that, exactly. that we all thought was going to be like a fringe dark horse contender, and all of a sudden they're 0-2 because they lost a neutral site game to LSU, and then they <laughs> turned and really around easy and, to sit and here lost and say, Well, game. that's not going to happen, but we don't know what game that would be. Yeah. We don't know where like the ECU over Virginia Tech upset is going to be. We have no idea. Therefore, it's easy to say, well, this game doesn't matter. This conference doesn't matter. I don't can't remember the non-conference schedule as, as well as I should right now, but there are games like that you're not even paying attention to that are going to affect co- conference races, college football playoff resumes, all that stuff. So that's why this question is hard. It's, it's more of like a scenario. If I came to you and said, Chase, just like I said, if we take off from the Big Ten, Indiana, Maryland and Michigan State. And from the Big 12, we take off Iowa State, Kansas, and, I don't know, Oklahoma State. Would that be okay with you? It's almost like I have to come with you with with very specific proposals, and we're not going to know until week one kicks off and what teams are actually playing. And then, like you said, how will it feel? I think that's the big thing here. Because, like, when conference tournaments were getting canceled in March, it got to the point where it was like, okay, here goes one. Here goes two, uh, not a big deal. Oh, shit, there's the third one that's getting canceled. Now four, five, and six. This doesn't even feel like conference championship week. Totally different deal there because a lot of those games don't even matter, those first and second round games and some of those high majors. But at some point, it's not going to feel like it. Everybody knows what a college football Saturday feels like. So I think that's a big part. I think you nailed it. If it doesn't feel like college football, 
at what point is the championship going to be d- diminished? And I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that question. Let me, I think, I think you're right on the pulse of, of what, where this conversation lives and why it matters. But I, I agree with you that it's, it's sort of hard to give a definitive answer for. So let me ask you a slightly different version that I think is easier to give an answer for. If you forget about the conferences and the programs and, and the percentages and everything for a second, go to like the Sagarin rankings. You were talking about like if we take out Colorado State, we're not putting an asterisk next to the national championship. That would be stupid. Where in the Sagarin rankings, or what is what what's what's the least relevant program that still creates an asterisk? Like where where do you have to go to be the least relevant team, but you're still relevant enough that you're creating an asterisk? Does that make sense? I get what yeah, it makes sense, but is it more because it that it's also not realistic. Like for example, I pulled it up and let's go let's go outside the top forty. Like Cal is forty one, FAU is forty two, Louisiana forty three, Virginia Tech forty four. It's not like we're just gonna wipe out those four programs. It's more of a like if Greg Sankey is talking about it, most of the SAC teams are near the top. So let's take out like one top fifteen team. Let's say that Auburn doesn't play this year. Unlikely, but let's say Auburn doesn't play this year, and then you take somebody from the 40s. It seems more sporadic. I get where you're you're trying to quantify that. To answer your question, I don't I don't know. I mean, so like if, again, if you take out Cal, does that matter? I if all the 129 other teams playing Cal doesn't? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, even if you take out like Minnesota is rising or take out a Baylor Take out an Auburn. Let's take out Auburn. If Auburn doesn't play college football this year, but the other 129 team does, teams do, does that matter? No. It would be weird. They would have to fill their schedule somehow, but we're not going to put an asterisk by the national championship game, are we? If the state of Alabama shuts down football for the year, now we are, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, so I maybe that's I don't think they would. No, 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 but maybe that's it. Maybe we sit here and say, because generally going into the season, there are generously 15 teams that could be in that picture. LSU was on the very fringe of that picture going into last year, so let's extend it a little bit to like 15. Unlikely circumstance. Yeah, let's say there are 15 teams that could really truly win the national championship. I ain't even talking about getting to the national championship because Utah, we talked about that going into last year. Utah could have made the playoff last year. They were a game away from doing it. But Utah was not winning the national championship last year. Even if LSU wasn't LSU last year, they still were not winning the national championship. So let's say 15 teams could win the national championship. After that, then what matters? If you take out one of those 15 teams, asterisk, sure. Like if you had taken out LSU before last year, it would have, that goes back to the, well, I don't see it happening. But if you had taken out LSU and we'd have this conversation a year ago and you said, you know what, let's lob off LSU they're, you know, they, they might win like nine games. They're probably not going to be in the picture, but they may be in the fringe picture. Turns out that would have mattered a lot. So if you take out one of those top 15 teams, then, yeah, I think maybe maybe that's where you put the line down. Because ultimately, big picture, we're talking about playoff, even though it's talked about, honestly, too much in our opinion. But maybe it's the top 15 team, the playoff contender, that you take out, that you say, you know what, now it matters. It's 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 all guesswork. I think is the bottom line to this conversation is like 
as, as unlikely and unprobably repeatable as the LSU thing is, like you never know for sure. So to, to even try to attempt a conversation like this where you identify like, okay, what's, what is college football and what does it mean and when and where, like what's its makeup and where does it still exist and where does it start being some lesser pornographic version of college football? Like that's, it's unquantifiable as, as much as we want to like sit here and identify it. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's the end result here is we have to find a way to either accept that this next year is going to have just a weird season and we're going to get what we get or that people, you know, it's, it's just kind of this other thing that's going to exist. And then maybe someday we'll get, maybe someday we'll get back to normal at some point, but for now, maybe we're just going to have some weird thing in front of us that we don't know what to do with and we don't know how to talk about historically. All right. If you didn't catch those recent episodes or if, if you're a high motor first time here, hey, let's pour one out for the for the guys at SB Nation. I was going to mention that in the open. Um, a lot of good guys and gals getting laid off here uh, around the Internet, around the interwebs. And let's pour one out. So if you are looking for a college football podcast and you happen to to stumble across our little operation here, uh, happy to have you if you are a high motor first timer. Uh, last week it was Thor Nystrom recapping the NFL draft. It was Peter Bukowski breaking down that Jordan Love situation in Green Bay. Like I said, it was Ricky Ronnie, old Dominion head coach, uh, telling us about that phone interview in an in and out burger parking lot in Vegas. All those available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, my personal favorite, Overcast, and everywhere else. Pleasure having everybody. We'll be back soon on the High Motor Podcast. Oh